Bugs, 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 bugs. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, Baby. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kayla. And today we are going to be talking about two books that we've read and are very excited about. I'm going to be talking about Writers and Lovers by Lily King. And I am going to be talking about Me and Mr. Darcy by Alexandra Potter. First off, Lindsay, how are you doing? How are you? How are you doing with being locked inside? Yes, I am getting a little stir crazy, I have to admit. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. (laughs) I am literally, I have not changed out of yoga pants. I just cycle through like the three pairs of yoga pants that I have. Me too. (laughs) I have not wore a real bra in a week and a half. I have worn. Oh, you say that like it's a bad thing. A bralette. No, I mean, it's it's fine, but this bralette has not been washed. So (laughs) that's probably an issue. And I have eaten all the food. I overeat everything. I'm not going to bed until like 11 o'clock, which is very late for me. Yeah, so it's going great. How are you doing? <laughs> Mine's going just about as well. <laughs> yeah. I I uh yeah, I've been cycling through not even yoga pants. I kid you not. I've been cycling just through pajamas. Like I wake yeah. up in pajamas and then I change into a new pair of pajamas and I'm yeah. like these are my day pajamas. <laughs> and uh I've been drinking so much coffee so much so it's been pretty good I mean I'm not I'm not complaining I think that this quarantine is really showing me that actually I really like being indoors and I really I'm a homebody at at heart I'm just a homebody so it doesn't it's not a huge thing for me because I'm like you're telling me I get to stay inside sign (laughs) me up so of course it's a terrible situation outdoors but like inside I'm fine (laughs) really I feel the same way because I am not very social like after work I don't want to do anything anyway like I get home and I take a shower and I lay on the couch and watch tv and eat dinner and whatever but I do think there is something to be said about going to work and coming home instead of just having work at home. And maybe it's because we don't really have a good setup here. Like I'm literally using patio furniture as my desk because Patrick's using my desk. And so I brought in the patio furniture and put a sheet on top of it and set up my desk that way, but it's circular. And so it's just kind of like annoying. So then I'm there for like the first few hours of the day. And then I just kind of migrate to the couch and I have my work laptop open and then my regular laptop open. And sometimes I'm watching something. Sometimes I'm reading a book. Sometimes I'm working on, you know, any of the three or four projects I'm working on right now Mm -hmm. that are all like half completed. And so it's, it's not fun, but it's nice. You know, like it's, it's, it's nice to not have to do anything. And like, no one cares that you're not doing anything because they want you to not be doing anything. Because usually I feel kind of judged for not wanting to do anything. So in this case, I'm like, I'm on the right side right now. Oh, yeah. like, I'm 
People, yeah. And also, I'm a huge germaphobe, and this is like a germaphobe's dream because everyone <laughs> yeah. is everyone is washing their hands, everyone is cleaning, and I'm like, I've never been so excited to know that everyone is washing their hands completely all the freaking time. I am about mm-hmm. it. Let's continue this forever, please. So at the point where I don't want to ever shake someone's hand again. I already didn't like it. Because uh-huh. I know, like, my dad will say, like, my dad and my husband are both like, oh, we see guys walking out of the bathroom all the time without washing them. Uh, I, yes. And I think about that all the time. And even women, you know, sometimes you just, you do the basic, like, pump, wash, and you're done. And, like, I'm guilty of it oh, too. Yeah. sometimes when you're in a rush. You're like, okay, quick, let's go. And now I'm like, no, we are going to wash our hands thoroughly for 20 seconds. And we're going to do it twice. Because it's important. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I'm loving all of these memes and stuff where people are coming out with sing these lyrics or say these lines from this movie in its entirety and you'll be fine. And like while you're washing your hands. And so that's actually what I was going to say is I can't tell you how many times I have been in the bathroom and heard a woman come out of the stall next to me and just walk out. And the fact that now it's like, well, if you do that, you're risking everyone's life, not just their hygiene, but their life. And so now I'm like, ha ha ha, mofos, you have to, you have to wash your hands now. Even if I go into the bathroom, you know, and like, don't actually use the bathroom, like say I'm just using the bathroom to change or something. I still wash my hands. I've touched the lock on the bathroom door, I've touched the door pushing it open. Even though I didn't go to the bathroom, I'm still going to wash my hands. Even if you're in the situation where you're in a stall and you're like, oh, but I didn't go to the bathroom. It's fine. I don't need to wash my hands. Yeah, you fucking do. Because you have yeah, been you in do. that environment. You touch that lock. You know how many people touch that lock after they wipe their ass? Exactly. Everybody. I completely agree. Lindsay, we're on, we're on, we're on the same page. We are reading the same book, not oh, physically, are. but we're nope. reading the same book of life, Lindsay. We are. Yep. We're, we are <laughs> on the same wavelength. We always have been. So Weird. I'm okay. very intrigued by your book. This book, the concept behind this book is such a fun and interesting concept. Let me start with the synopsis of the book. This book is called Me and Mr. Darcy. Something that I love is when the name of the book or the name of the movie or the name of the show sneaks sneaks into the movie or book or show somehow. This one definitely hit the spot. So basically what this book is about is it's about this girl who is in her late 20s, which is my dream because it's like I'm in my late 20s, so I'm really enjoying it. And I'm in the dating scene or the trying to find a husband scene. And this girl is obsessed with Pride and Prejudice, just absolutely obsessed. She has sworn up and down that Mr. Darcy is her dream man. And she's like, you know what? I'm not dating anymore because dating sucks and all men suck. And I'm like, all right, Emily, you're right. I'm with you, man. Basically, uh, she almost gets pulled in by her best friend, Stella, to go on this vacation to like Mexico with a bunch of people drinking, partying and stuff like that. And she's like, that is my that's the thing I want to do least in the world. 
And so she ends up going on this really cool Jane Austen tour in a bus with, it turns out, a ton of middle-aged women, which we all knew that was probably going to happen because middle-aged women love Pride and Prejudice like we love Pride and Prejudice. It's it's very old-fashioned, and I think the way that they love these old-fashioned things, you know, the world has changed so much, but some of us still like things pretty traditional and still like things kind of old-fashioned. She's like us. Honestly, we would get along with her really well, Lindsay. So she goes on this trip with all of these uh, middle-aged women, and then there's one guy on the trip. He's a journalist. His name is Spike. And so she, yes. And so she swears up and down that this guy's a complete D bag. And she's like, look, he's, he's a, he's a jerk. At, at first she's, oh, like, oh, um, Mr. Darcy is just my main man. Like kind of what she tells him. And she and him just don't get along very well. And they slowly start to get along. And then not so much and all this jazz. So it kind of goes back and forth. But the main story, the main part of this book is that Emily, as her name, she starts to see Mr. Darcy. And so she starts to see the real Mr. Darcy. Randomly, she'll like, all of a sudden, it'll be just the two of them. So it'll be no one else around. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Darcy shows up. So she starts having this almost like an affair with Mr. Darcy, almost a relationship with him. As this real Mr. Darcy shows up, who is she picturing? Like she's not it- she's not picturing Matthew McFadden. Okay. She, or Faden. Not okay. Colin Firth. She it's like if a portrait of Mr. Darcy came to life. Okay. So very good Me, question though. My portrait of Mr. Darcy is Matthew McFadden. Like I I, I understand. Right. <laughs> and even, okay, sorry. Another aside thing here. Go. Have you seen Succession on HBO? Have you heard? No, it? but I've okay. seen your Instagram yeah. stories. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I, I, love you. Wa- I have not watched 2005 Pride and Prejudice since watching Succession. Right. So it's been, we watched Succession the beginning of this year and I just have not watched 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. since then and I honestly think I'm going to struggle because his character in succession is so odd and like there's this one scene I'm just gonna tell you because it's it's so gross so it's his bachelor party and this isn't really much of a spoiler it's just like a side thing. it's his bachelor party and they're at this weird, like, underground thing. Like, they're all, this is a super, 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 super rich family. Like, mm-hmm. this is the the Bezos, Gates, and, you know, Oprah Winfrey combined. Like, that's how much money they have, yes. right? They, yes. This family owns the media, all the media. They have amusement parks, everything. So, like, this family is fucking rich. And so they're at this like weird underground thing. You know, there's cocaine and drinks and, like, all this stuff. Like, usual. Like, yeah. Like usual, you know. So he goes and he like meets this lady, like he sees across the room and he's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get with her on in my bachelor party. And basically, um, Siobhan, his fiance basically gave him a free pass to do whatever he wanted. Okay. Party, right. And so <laughs> he, he goes off with her and he comes back to the group of all the, of, of the guys. And he says, so she gave him a blowjob. He came and then she put it all back in his mouth and And so like kind of the running joke with all of them was, oh, you swallowed your own load. And it's so 
gross. It's so disgusting. But now I don't know if I can watch Pride and Prejudice without sitting there and thinking you swallowed your own load. Like, I don't think I can do it. (laughs) Well, honestly, Mr. Darcy's a real D-bag sometimes. So in those scenes, you can be like, you know what? Go swallow your own load. You know, (laughs) you can kind of say that and it's kind of work. Go on. Tell me all about this wonderful story. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if every time you interrupt me, we talk about Matthew McFadden, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I love him so much. Okay. So she starts seeing him everywhere, and they start going on dates. Basically, he starts courting her, and and she starts to realize that maybe dating Mr. Darcy is not all it's choked up to be. And so that's that's basically the concept. But there's so much more to this book. The whole book, in and of itself, is a parallel to Pride and Prejudice. So the things that are actually happening in in Pride and Prejudice, they do correlate to what happens in this book as well. There are some really cute characters. There's this character. I think his name. I want to say his name is Ernie. He's the bus driver, and he's really flirting heavily with one of the older women who's on the bus. And he's flirting with her, and like Emily is like, "Oh, Mabel, like you should, you should talk to him. Like, go ahead, talk to him." And then when the two of them are talking, Ernie he sees Spike, and the two of them give each other this sour look, and then one of them leaves. Later, Ernie tells Emily that. He used to date Spike's mother and that Spike, you know, he was really troubled and and he got very mad when the two of them were going to get married. And so he punched Spike in the face and Spike had to break up with his mother. And and so now Emily Wait. is sitting there. Yes. Ernie had to break. Spike yes. punched Ernie in the face. Okay. Spike <laughs> punched Ernie in the face and Ernie okay. had to break up with Spike's mother. That's, that's the okay. story that he tells her. And so she's really upset. And so obviously that correlates to how Mr. Darcy cut off Mr. Wickham and then, yes, how he cut off Mr. Wickham and then how Mr. Wickham wanted to join the church and, but then he had to join the military and, uh, you know, and then also um, Mr. Bingley and Jane being separated because of, which it correlates to Ernie and Mabel. It's just, there are all these parallels through the whole thing, which is phenomenal, like really well done. I really, really enjoyed it because it's like being someone who loves Pride and Prejudice, right. lo- listening to this modern telling of Pride and Prejudice, essentially, with a girl who somehow doesn't see the correlation. I don't know about you, but I'm always like, oh, my God, this is just like in Romeo and Juliet. Like immediately right. it comes to me and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, that movie where this thing happened. It's, my life is reminding me of it right now. And I'm like, you don't see that your entire life is a parallel to Pride and Prejudice, Emily? You read the book how many times? So I get a little confused. But yes, it's very fun. So who is her Mr. Darcy then? So if if Mr. Darcy comes to her, is Spike supposed to be her Mr. Darcy? So that's a very good question. Yes. So Spike is her Mr. Darcy. Because the thing is, as she's as she's going on these dates with Mr. Darcy and she's like, oh, my goodness, how are we going to have this long distance relationship work? She starts to realize, like, if she was dating the real Mr. Darcy, like in that time, he would probably be pretty sexist. And she's, you know, a modern woman herself. Yeah, he would be sexist. And also he doesn't show very much emotion. You know, he's kind of 
kind of sour sometimes. And she's like, he can't take a joke. And also, like, he's not going to hold your hand. He's not going to kiss you because you're not married. You know, that whole thing. So she starts kind of seeing those things where she's like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't know about this. And Spike is kind of like that. So there are scenes where Spike essentially, like, she's waiting around for Mr. Darcy and then Spike shows up. You know, for a long time, she's like, you know, he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk. But then he does sweet little nice things. And he actually, there's this one character named Rose, who Lindsay reminds me so much of Stormy. Like, so much of Stormy from To All the Boys I've Loved Before, P.S. I Still Love You. She reminds me so much of that character. She's an actress. She was an actress in her day. She's older now. And she's, but she's not as fabulous as Stormy in a lot of ways. And and in, in some ways, she's, you know, she sees herself as now she's too old and no one will like her. And she always has to be the center of attention, stuff like that. So what ends up happening is Spike takes... They go to a place. I think it's like a hotel. They're in a hotel. And and Spike actually takes one of her very old headshots. And he has a conversation with the hotel manager and actually gets them to put the headshot up because she's a famous person who stayed there. And so that's a moment where Emily is like, oh, wow, that was really nice of him. And when she actually does level all of her accusations against him in in the end because that is something that she does which is also something that elizabeth does to mr darcy she ends up going to the computer and seeing that there is an email waiting in her email in her mailbox from spike and he's and it's a very long email (laughs) it was several pages worth but it was worth it where he explains everything that she said to him, uh, everything that she accused him of, which it was actually very well written too, because you're sitting there and you're like, well, shoot, that's, I understand now. What it turns out it was, was that Ernie did date Spike's mother and they very quickly wanted to get married. And so then uh, Ernie actually had they were supposed to buy a house together and he takes like, I guess he had taken Spike's mother's check and was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and deposit it. But he ended up depositing it in a, another checking account in his own checking account. And he stole all of her money and he left her with nothing. So that is actually why Spike is very angry at him. And so it's, it's actually very sad because he actually had a lot of reason to be angry at him. Also, there are some side characters that are pretty cool. Mabel, who is, she's just a character that comes up pretty often. She's one of the middle-aged women who's on the the bus ride with Emily. She's just kind of a side character that's really fun. Emily has a best friend named Stella, who is just kind of a free-spirited character, who's the one who wanted to steal her away to go to Mexico. She's really fun, too. She's actually married, but like she only married the guy so he could get his green card. But it turns out he's in love with her which is really cute. That's a cute storyline too. And she doesn't know that she's in love with him, but I digress. And yeah, so basically the story is really good. I mean, it's, it's not, if I had to say what my favorite part about it was, what it would be, it's parallel to Pride and Prejudice. That it is, it is about this woman really realizing what she wants in the world and seeing that maybe the thing that she thought she didn't want is actually exactly what she needs. There's so many parallels that can be drawn. Whenever she sees Mr. Darcy, there's something about the way she sees him. So like whenever she sees him, no one else is around. 
there's one point where she sees him and she is suffering from jet lag. There's another time where she sees him and she's hit her head. There's another time where she sees him and she's taking a sleeping pill. Every single time that she's seen him, she has something that is kind of might have been playing tricks with her mind. So in the end of the book, you're like, so did she actually see him or did she not? You don't know. It leaves it completely up to you, which is kind of fun. It's really kind of nice because you're like, I don't know. But really fun book. Uh, I will say, though, the author is British and she is writing an American character. I have to say... I could see that she was not American because she there were some there were some phrases or some um, things that she like words that she used and I was like an American would never use that I don't care what American you're talking about I don't care from what state they would never use that word or never use that phrase and so it was very hard for me to see that character as an American so I almost I almost wish she would have left it as a British character right was there she a made reason, her was there anything that made the story more interesting because she was American like she could have easily have been British and it wouldn't have changed anything or yeah I mean I I don't see exactly why she used America to be honest the character it's herself is from New York so sometimes Spike he'll like comment on the fact that she's from New York and people from, from New York are rude but I'm like yeah, but people from all over the world are rude. So like, and uh, yeah, and and the thing is, she doesn't really exude New Yorker. Like she really doesn't. So I'm I'm a little, I was a little like put off by that. She doesn't even seem like a New Yorker. Like I've right. met New Yorkers. That's not, she's not, that's not it. it it's it's right. just, it just felt like the author was writing a character that she didn't understand and she didn't take the time to understand that character. So I think that was my issue with it. But all in all, it had a good ending. It's one of those books that you pick up and you're like, you know what? I just want something that I can see where it's going or or I want something that's easy to read. It's a very easy read. I recommend Me and Mr. Darcy if you you want some sort of a chick flick book in your life. A chick book? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that sounds fabulous. I will have to add it to my list. Don't my ever growing my ever growing list. <laughs> thank thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. Always and forever. Quick side note. Yeah. I was wrong. One of the characters' names, it's not Mabel. Oh. She's not an 80-year-old woman that solves crimes. It is Maeve. So her name is Maeve. That okay. she's the she's the Emily's friend in the book. In the book, me and Mr. Darcy, she is Emily's companion on the bus trip. And she's probably like she's just like in her forties or fifties or something like that. But her name is Maeve, not Mabel. So just for the for the fans Correct. out there. <laughs> I read Writers and Lovers by Lily King. This is my favorite book this year so far. I thought that it was phenomenal. Yeah, I really, really, really liked it. It was the book of the month pick for March. And I think it just it just came out too. So fresh, hot off the presses. <laughs> so it centers around a writer's love life. Her name is Casey. 
And she's writing a novel and she's been writing this novel for six years <laughs> and her mom died. And so this is 1997. Her mom passes away unexpectedly while she's on vacation. And so Casey's kind of distraught over this and she has other issues with like her dad is a pedophile and there's a lot of issues yeah. in her general life, right? And so she is writing this novel. She lives in someone's shed behind their house that she rents for like $200 a month because she works as a waitress and she, you know, can't afford anything more than that. So she literally lives in a shed. She writes her book. It's 1997. And it kind of goes through everything after her mom passed away and how she had dealt with it while also writing Mm -hmm. her novel. She goes to this artist camp basically mm-hmm. where she's dedicating this time to write her novel but instead of writing her novel she falls in love with the boy who is next door and they have this this affair during the time that they're there and at the very end she learns that he's actually married then she learns that like the situation is weird they had a daughter that passed away and so they're kind of estranged but she was like, this was true love. Like it was fireworks, you know, like it was everything. She kind of lets it go and her her life kind of moves on as she writes the novel and she meets this other guy who she's like, oh, this could be, could be it. I like him. He's my age. We, he's a writer too. Like there's a lot of things that work. And so she gives him her number and she says, yeah, let's have a date. And they agree to a date. And on the day that their date is supposed to happen, he leaves unexpectedly. He calls her and says, I'm sorry, I had to like go across the country. I'll explain when I get back, but basically we can't have this date right now. And so she's like, okay, Flake, like I'm not, I'm going to forget about you, right? To go back, sorry, to go back, she's a waitress at kind of a swanky, fancy restaurant in Boston. Uh So everybody around her goes to Harvard. Like it's this whole thing, like she's in, in the Harvard area. And so she works at this swanky restaurant and this guy with his two sons come in for brunch one day and the one of the little boys comes up to her. She's their waitress and says, it's my dad's birthday. I want to pay in cash ahead of time. I want to pay for him. You know, and he's like 10 years old or whatever. So sweet. And so she takes the cash and she's like, I just won't bring you your check. I will take care of it. And then she kind of starts flirting with the guy and she realizes that he's actually a an author. He's written a few books. And he did a workshop for the guy that she was going to go on a date with that left. He was part of the workshop. And so they had talked about him previously, this guy who's the author. Yeah. And they had talked about him previously. So we've kind of known who he was, but we didn't think that he'd ever become a love interest until he's at brunch with his sons. So they're kind of talking flirting and the boys are joking around and she says I could beat your dad at miniature golf and the boys are like no no you couldn't no you couldn't and turns out we find out that she was actually like a golf champion in high school her dad trained her to be a golf champion and so she was hella good she won like all these awards but after everything that happened with her dad she had found out that her dad had like drilled holes in his office so he could peek into the girl's locker room and it's it's all very the way it's written is all very brief we get these brief glimpses into her past and kind of why she is the way that she is and so she 
has all these feelings about her dad, obviously. So she doesn't like golf. She stopped golfing, but basically kind of flirts with this guy and is like, I could beat you in miniature golf. He gives her his number and they make a date. And as we move on, the other guy comes back into the picture. He's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just kind of had to do. His Ah! sister had passed away unexpectedly as well. So just like her, she had her mom pass away. And so they have this common shared loss. And so he was like, after that happened, I just kind of had to go find myself. And so he traveled cross country and whatever, and he came back. So they start dating again. And so she's also kind of simultaneously dating this other guy. But this other guy, the author, is much older than she is. You know, he has two sons. His wife had passed away. So they all kind of share this sense of loss. Yeah. Which is kind of the common common theme throughout the book. And so Oscar is the author. And Silas is the younger guy who is Casey's age and also a writer. So anyway, so it, it is does become this love triangle, but Casey kind of eventually starts exclusively dating Oscar. She finishes her novel. She sends it to agents and like that the ball is rolling on that, right? And Oscar is serious about her. He's like, come live with us. The boys love you. Let's make this work. And Silas is kind of a little flaky, like, you know, he's he's been very kind of hot and cold up and down, not really ready for commitment. And so she she kind of forgets about him and focuses on Oscar, but then kind of realizes that she doesn't truly love Oscar. And so eventually breaks up with him. She's alone, didn't work out with either of the guys. And she eventually takes a job at a high school teaching English. And Mm -hmm. while she's there, an agent picks up her book. And they're doing this, like, the school is doing, like, this event. And since it's 1997, you know, she doesn't have a cell phone. The school secretary keeps coming in and she's like, we have a bidding war going on for your book. The agent is calling the school, basically saying, how high do you want to go? And so Casey's, you know, figuring out, like, you know, what do I need to live in a super nice apartment to pay off my student debt, you know, and live comfortably. And, you know, she comes up with a number that the author doesn't tell us, which is annoying. I'm like, I want to know what that number is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, like, in I movies, mean- when they slip the the folded thing and then the person looks up and they go, whoa, I want to know what that number yeah. is. <laughs> tell I know, me the please. Number. I need a baseline. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. I need a baseline for my future. <laughs> Right, exactly. I want to know that number. Um, so anyway, so she tells the, the agent her number and it becomes this bidding war apparently with all of these publishers. And so she's at this like school assembly and the secretary keeps coming and saying, talk to the agent. And finally the secretary comes up and she hands her a thing and it just says like, we, we hit your number. And she's like, oh my God, I, I sold my book. And another thing, Silas is also a high school teacher, but not at the same high school. But his school was part of that assembly. They had joined that assembly. And so at the very end, you know, she sold the book and her and Silas get back together. It's obviously a lot more beautiful. Like I, this is like the the Sparks Notes version of it, but- um, That's okay. It is so beautiful. And the way that it's written, it at first took me a little bit to get into it. I picked it up and I didn't really know, I didn't even know that it was in 1997 until like a few chapters in and she mentions Princess Diana dying. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what year is this? You know, like I didn't have a sense at first because she doesn't really talk about, she doesn't really talk about the year. You know, she's just a, a lady who works as a waitress. You know, this could be anybody. 
And so I just thought it was so beautifully written. And um, at the very, very end, there's, a, there's some symbolism with geese that she like walks by with the geese and to her kind of like her mom, she kind of something about the geese with her. And at the, yeah. the very last page of the book has a beautiful illustration of just a bunch of geese. And so I really, it was just such a beautiful book. And I'm not, I'm not doing it justice at all. It was so beautifully written. And about the, she's like in her th- early 30s. And she's, she's gone through so much shit with her dad and her mom dying. And she works as a waitress and she's been working on this novel for six years. There's a scene where she's sending it off to agents and the post office lady is kind of like treating the boxes, you know, because she actually has physical copies that she's shipping off into boxes. And the post office lady is kind of manhandling them a little bit. And she's like, oh my God, like that was six years of my life. And the post office lady was like, I hope it was worth it. Or like, it doesn't seem worth it. But then, you know, at the end, right (laughs) at the very end, when she is they're in this bidding war for her book and they hit that number of what they want, what she needs to live. Like, it's just so emotional. It is so it's just so beautiful. And it's very just good imagery without it being too much. You know how sometimes you read a book and you're like, are they going to describe the air and the sky and the, you know, the way the ocean is coming in for five whole pages like it's nothing like that it's very yeah it keeps the story moving while also being very visual and detailed and I just I really appreciate that that, so so quick question so she ends up does she end up with the father or does she end up with the other guy with the other guy so with the the other guy okay so Oscar she they break up because she realizes she doesn't love him, right? She doesn't love him, and it just wasn't the right fit. Like, he was ready for, like, commitment, be serious, and, you know, he had two kids, and she just wasn't ready for that, so. So my question is, whenever there's a moment like that, like, where she she was, she was saw Silas as being kind of flaky and stuff like that, so she was willing to let go of him. But you said in the end she ends up with him, right? Yes, and that's kind of because so, she realized that he wasn't necessarily – he was flaky, but he was going through a lot of the same shit she was going through. And so okay. he wasn't fully ready, and she wasn't fully ready for, for Oscar, but they, her and Silas weren't really on the same level either until she got a job as a teacher. He was also a teacher, and they kind of realized that their lives lined up, basically. Okay. All right. Because I was going to ask, because especially in movies and books and stuff like that, when someone has to, and I mean, even in real life, if you realize that someone is flaky or something like that, you're going to kind of not want to go towards them. So I, I was just wondering what it was that made her kind of find her way back to him. But that makes sense if they have like this shared, like a shared trauma, essentially. You yeah, know, and, they, like, and he kind of always popped up in her life. He kind of kept just showing up. He would call. He, you know, was at the school because he was also a teacher. And so there was a lot of situations that came up where he appeared and she was kind of like, oh, he's actually the one. But it wasn't like this juicy, oh, my God, I love you. It was just kind of like so pure and honest and just like, hey, Let's give this a shot. You know, it was it was just oh, very hard. I just really I appreciated the fact that even though the book is called Writers and Lovers, it wasn't overly 
romantic and overly like it was just an honest story and it's like this is how a lot of people's love life is you know you you lose this guy you know she dated this guy in the at the camp where they were you know all writing their books in the the artist camp and she was like oh my god he's the one everything's gonna work out with him but it didn't work out you know, and then she's she's back. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I'm dating this published author who people know, who people you know talk to at the restaurant, and are like, oh my gosh, you're this author that we know, and so like that's exciting for her. But then it doesn't work out, and then you know she's yeah. with this guy who's who's flaky, and it just I really appreciated that it wasn't just this clear cut. This is it. It was just this story of just how her life panned out and there wasn't anything dramatic or big it was just a story and I just really appreciated that so and I do think that that's also very honest too because I think that without knowing it a lot of us end up sitting there and being like you know oh this this person this is it this is the person this is our person and then it turns out that it's not so we might we might think that we've found the one and then all of a sudden it's actually the truth is this person is just going to be a detour in our life and they're going to they're going to be gone just as quickly as they came. So I think that that's actually a very honest portrayal of someone's love life. Love life or lack thereof or lack just thereof, the, yeah. the journey of love because really we we have those moments. We have those years of, of solitude where we're not really dating or right. I don't know if you'd really call it solitude, but like but where we're not dating, where we're just by ourselves. And then we have those times of like, oh my gosh, like I think I found the one. I think I found the one. And then that person just up and leaves. So I think that it really is. That's an honest portrayal. And that's a really nice, it's really nice that yeah, she ends up with him but it doesn't sound like you said it doesn't sound like the story was necessarily about her ending up with anyone it sounds like it was I mean at least the way you're you're explaining it it sounds like the story was about her finding herself yeah and succeeding and not not even necessarily succeeding like by being becoming famous but it's succeeding by meeting her own personal goals and I I think that that's a really good thing that we need to get used to as people. Like we need to get used to, hey, I need to actually set my own goals and not set them against other people. But like with her, she's sitting there like, I want to make enough money to be able to live in a good place and not in a shed. And and she found that number and she did it and she killed it. And I think that that's actually, that's how, she, how, that's how we should be setting our goals. Totally. Like I want to set my goal because I, I want to meet this requirement for myself. Right. And not for anything else. Go Casey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was, it's a very good book. I, I feel like it, there's a plot, but it's really more about the way that the author wrote it and how mm-hmm. beautiful just Casey's thoughts. And it, it's just, I was very, very impressed and I'm very glad I read it. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it. I always, I love, I love getting to come here and getting to talk to you about books because like, yeah. I don't always, I don't, I don't have a ton of people I can talk to about books or sometimes well, I can, but like, it's always fun talking to you about them because I get to, you let me spoil them for you. <laughs> like, right. Like, okay, please tell you, please well, let me tell you every detail. And I feel like that has kind of been the basis of our relationship because 
Absolutely. Since the beginning, I mean, I remember you just telling me stories of like, oh, this movie I watched or this book I read, you know, and and just going through like every single scene and like this happens, oh. and this happens, and this happens. And I actually remember yeah. I'm the one who introduced you to Pride and Prejudice. Do you remember you that? You were. Oh, yeah, I do. I desperately do. The first time I watched Pride and Prejudice, I did it. I sat there, like, I had it playing in the background, and I kept thinking to myself, like, this is just a movie that Lindsay wants me to watch, so, like, I'm going to play it, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to learn what I need to learn about it, like, like, she says it's good, so I'm going to give it a shot, and then as I'm watching it, at first I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, paying super close attention to it because I was watching it with my mom and she was falling asleep and it was one of those like uh you know my 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 attention was diverted and then I get to the towards the end of the movie and I was enthralled and so I had to rewatch it like the next day I rewatched it and I was I'm in love <laughs> that happened with so I saw it in 2005 when it came out mm-hmm. a friend of my mom's lent it to her and was like you guys will like this watch it and so we popped the dvd in and we're like sitting there and I was 10 years old and so you know I was a little confused about everything that was going on we realized we were like we also didn't really understand what was going on because they're british and they're talking fast and so we lost a lot in translation. And so we turned the subtitles on and watched it the next yeah. day. I'm pretty sure we watched it like three times. So we watched it at night and then we watched it like twice the next day. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And ever since then, I watch subtitles on every single thing I watch. Like I have subtitles turned on all the time. I feel like such an old person. I need them on. And it was because of Pride and Prejudice convinced me that I comprehend so much more by having the subtitles on. I don't lose anything while yes. while they're on. So, absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, and I I completely agree. I I have subtitles on for all of my British, Scottish, Irish shows. Like I have subtitles on for all of them because I'm like I I. It's a pride thing where you're like, don't have pride. Just turn on the subtitles. And you will thank me. Like, that's what it is. And uh, yes, thank you for turning me on to that. Yeah, so I think that's it for today. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, Thanks for letting us spoil these books for you. Um, But honestly, it's not even a spoiler. Like, we're telling you our favorite parts. Like, go read them yourselves. You know, you'll... Maybe you'll hate the things that we talked about and maybe you'll love other things. There are so many things about me and Mr. Darcy that I didn't touch on, like the relationship between her and her family or, or like even even Maeve's, Maeve's backstory. <laughs> <laughs> like there are so many good things. So just, you know, take our word for it that, that we loved these books and, and go try them out yourself. Really? They're they're coming highly recommended from us. We would tell you if we hated the book before we talked about it. So the fact that we are sitting here, you know, spending an hour talking about these books means that they're legit and we we take our our book reading very seriously. So obviously we started a podcast about it. So (laughs) yeah, that's um that's it for today. Bye.